You're listening to a River Life Fellowship message. We hope this message encourages you and enriches your life. For more information about us, visit us at riverlifefellowship.com. I'm going to read these scriptures for Byron to open up his message. 2 Kings 2, 1 through 14. There we go. (laughs) And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. (laughs) Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And so he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, he rolled it up and struck the water and it was divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, Please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. And then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and his horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. That's not good. Oh, I don't need this. I'm already late. Somebody will come. Anybody out there? Do you have a phone? No. Sorry. Somebody! 
Hello? There are two people stuck on an escalator and we need help. Now, would somebody please do something? I don't believe this. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. <laughs> well, there's nothing else left to do. So, that was from the message last week. Thought, thought y'all would want to enjoy that. A lot of people are like that, though, in their spiritual life. They're sort of stuck where they're at, stuck, stuck in the place. And, uh,. So this morning I want to talk to you one more time about not being stuck in your place. And you know this scripture Becky just read. If you've been a Christian any time at all, you've probably heard a message or two preached out of that. I think I've heard one message preached out of it, and I preached a message out of it one time a long time ago. But this is the newer version of my message. Okay? But when the Lord first started moving back in October, I was really praying and asking the Lord about what he was doing. And this is what he told me. He said, I need, I'm, I'm accelerating you. He said, you're here, and this is where you need to be. And I'm getting you from here to there real fast so you can be ready for what I've got for you. And that's really what the Lord's doing right now is he's accelerating people. There's an, there's an availability for acceleration spiritually. You can, wherever you're at right now spiritually, God, God is in the mood to accelerate people. One of the great uh, acceleration verses in the Bible is uh, Acts 8.40. This is a literal physical acceleration. This was when Philip, he was out there in the, in the, in the desert preaching the gospel to an Ethiopian, baptized him, came up out of the water, and it says, but Philip was found as toast. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. In other words, Philip was in the water one minute, and the next minute he was supernaturally transported to another place. And I believe one of the reasons he was able to be supernaturally transported, in his spiritual life, in his heart, God had accelerated him spiritually. God had done it first in his spirit, man, where he was, God was able to do... I know a guy who literally thought this happened to him one time. He was, asking the, he was asking the Lord, this guy lives near Raleigh, and there's a town near Raleigh called Morrisville. And he was driving down the road, and he looked up and saw the sign, and he thought it said Morrisville. <laughs> It scared him to death, man. Like, oh, no, this has really happened to me. <laughs> he thought, and then he realized, no, it's Morrisville. It really hasn't happened to me. Darn it. But uh, I'm not necessarily talking about, that would be wonderful, and I pray the Lord would do that. I would like to be able to do that, you know, not have to drive places, but it's probably not really like it. But there is a spiritual acceleration that God wants to release to his people right now. He's a, you, it's available right now for us to be accelerated. And uh, so that's what the Lord's doing. Now, the Bible says in John 14, 2, in my Father's house are many rooms, many rooms. So what I want to talk to you, I want, I'm just going to give you this picture to help you. Think about in a house, a hall, okay? And in this hall, there's four rooms off the hall. And there's one called Gilgal, there's one called um, Bethel, there's one called Jericho, and there's one called Jordan. And that's in the Father's house. And what God does, what God is doing, what I see God doing, He invites people into His house and He brings them into these rooms. And you go in a room for a while and He takes you out and takes you to the next room, takes you to the next room. And what He's trying to do is accelerate you, get you where you need to go real quick. So I'm practically and literally seeing this happen in people's lives. I've practically and literally seen it happen to me where I have been in a Gilgal room 
I've been in a in a uh, a house of God room, Bethel room, and I'm headed into a Jericho room. Okay, so the Lord wants to do that, and what He's doing is getting us somewhere real fast. So um, I want you to notice when she read it, there's a couple of things that was happening there. Number one is Elijah kept telling Elisha, "Stay here." Okay, and see that's what's going to happen to us. There's something that's, that tells us to stay here. Stay where you're at. You're okay. I've had people literally, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm good. No, you're not. You're not good. You're not good. If you're not progressing with God, you're not good. And you know, only the Lord can show us that. But God wants to get people out from where they are. Another thing is other people. Notice that Elijah kept telling people to be quiet. As Andy said, you know, the, the slang version is shut up. You know, I don't want to hear you. That happened to a man that wanted to be healed one time. Uh, what was the, the man's name? Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus was on the road screaming, Lord, heal me, heal me. And people kept telling him to shut up. He wouldn't listen to them. And that's really what we've got to do. And the, really the person you've got to listen to the most, the person you've got to silence the most is who? It's that person you look in the mirror at. It's right in there. That's where you've got to first deal with the silence. You got, if you can silence that in there, that machine in there just running, then you, can, you don't even have to worry about the other people. You just like forget them, you know. So are you with me right in this moment? So let's roll, roll on, move on here right quick. Jo, we're going to look at Gilgal. This is the Gilgal room. And this is jo, Joshua 5. I just want to quickly read this. Uh, Y'all know these Likely, Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. That's the reproach of the world. Uh, that's what has happened to all people in the world. There's a reproach that comes on everybody. We're born into a reproach. And the cross, is this is what this room really is talking about. It's the cross, it's the blood. It's really the, the most precious thing that we have as Christians is, 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 is Christ and his cross. And that's really, we go into that room and, and Christians need to go back to the cross many times in our lives. We had to go back to that place and allow the cross to have a deeper work in our life, have a greater work in our life. Because really the truth is this about the cross. We don't really understand the cross. We don't have enough revelation about the cross. And God wants to bring us back and show us deeper things and deeper works of the cross of Christ, deeper works of the blood. And we can know when the Lord's really moving you can know in your heart when the blood of Jesus becomes a more precious thing to you. And that's really what the Lord's doing with a lot of people. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. That's to roll in the way of reproach. Now, the children of Israel camped in Gilgal. We need to camp out sometimes in that place. In other words, we need to spend a few days. I don't want to live in a tent myself. I don't want to camp out for weeks on end. You know, but a weekend's a good thing. Two or three days at the cross... You know, three or four days at the cross, camping out, enjoying what the Lord's doing, or letting the Lord go into your heart and go deeper in your heart. Go down way deep inside. Holy Spirit, search me. Find that there's still reproaching me from my life, my former life, that's still trying to, that's still affecting me, and still keeping your spirit from working in my life. That's what He does. And they, it says they kept the Passover, which is, of course is the, is the you know, picture of the cross on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And... And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. And it says, Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. In other words, you know, they were in the wilderness. They were getting this food free every day. They came here. It was a new kind of food. See, we're in a new day. God wants to give you some new food. 
He really does. There's new food for Christians right now. We have prayed for years. Lord, there's got to be more revelation that needs to get released to the church because we've sort of beat this other revelation into the ground. We've banged on it and banged on it and banged on it. We've hit the bottom. We've peaked on it. We've plateaued on it. Well, I'm telling you, Lord is releasing new revelation in His Word. He's releasing a new understanding in His Word, deeper understanding, greater in this day, for this season. There's more. Just like study church history. Study church history is always the mark. You know, where somebody had a... I mean, one time, salvation by faith was a major revelation for the church. A major revelation. It turned the church around. We can thank Martin Luther for that. But you see how God brings something. See, God is doing that now. That's what we're talking about. Also, it's talking about freely you have received, freely give. You know, it's like the escalator that, that showed us. People get there and they stop. And what God is saying, listen, I have put stuff in you. I have given you things. And a lot of Christians think there's this notion, well, I'm waiting on the Holy Spirit to move me. You know what? This is the, the, the truth. One of the great uh, heroes of the Pentecostal and Spirit-filled churches is Smith Wigglesworth. Right? Because he just healed people and raised, had documented people raised from the dead. But you know what he said? If the Spirit don't move me, I move the Spirit. If the Spirit don't move me, I move the Spirit. See, a lot of us are standing on that escalator waiting on God to do something. He said, no, I'm waiting on you. It's time for the church to get to moving. It's time for me and you to quit sitting around thinking, God's already spoken to you. God's already put things in you. And He said, I'm coming for those things. Get to moving. Come on. Start walking. That escalator shoots you to the top. That's the way the escalator works in God's house. You start walking, it goes. But a lot of us are like those people. We're like dummies out there. So, oh, somebody needs to come get me. Somebody come help me. No, get up, move. That's what the Lord's saying. Move, come on, I put something in you. It's in there. Let it come out. Don't you get tired of Christianity? always waiting on the Holy Spirit to do something. And he said, gosh, I'm waiting on you. <laughs> Somebody needs to break on this thing. Somebody needs to give. And he ain't giving. He's already done. Well, one of the great things, one of the great reproaches that have been put on us is the orphan spirit. Everybody's born into this world with an orphan spirit on them. And it brings a lot of reproach on people, the orphan spirit does. And when we get saved, that orphan spirit should be broken off of us. Well, for many people, I know Christians have a terrible spirit of poverty on them. I'm not talking about they just don't have a lot of material. They just got this, this spirit of poverty on them. That's attached to the orphan spirit. An orphan is, is impoverished. They're the most impoverished people in the natural realm because they don't have nothing. They don't have an inheritance. They have nothing. They're waiting depend on somebody else totally. So they carry a poverty spirit with them. And a lot of people are like that. A lot of people have this rejection, low self-esteem. All that is tied back to that orphan spirit that God wants to break off in people. He doesn't really like that orphan spirit. He hates it, as a matter of fact, because he said, clearly, I will not leave you as orphans. Yet many of us are influenced by spirit, us orphan spirit. Now, John, I want to read this, but I want to point something out to you. This is what happened. Israel, when they crossed the Jordan, and when they got to Gilgal for the first time in their life, they were home. They had come home. It was home to them. That was their home. Okay, that's another picture of Gilgal. It's called, it's called coming home and getting rid of the orphan spirit, getting rid of all that stuff the world's put on you, especially the orphan spirit. Especially that. It says, You do not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear. That's talking about the orphan spirit that, dropped, that is part of the spirit in the people's life fear, failure, whatever. 
But you received the spirit of adoption. You received the spirit of adoption. We've received it. We've got it. That's what God did at the cross for us. He adopted us. He brought us into His family. He made us His. We're His children. We carry His name. We are totally His. And it says, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That's awesome, isn't it? Well, here's the thing. I want to focus on two words, cry out. Okay? That's really Paul the Apostle. See, we think Paul the Apostle, we don't really realize. That man was, he was very, a very emotional man. He, he didn't say, by whom we contemplate. Abba Father, by whom we meditate, Abba, by whom we think about, Abba Father. No, he said, by whom we crowd. He got wild. When we realize we have been taken and placed into what God has declared to be His home, and He's really declared to you and I, you're my child, it is going to create a crying out in you. I don't care what you say. That's what the Bible says. Argue with the Bible. Don't argue with me. I'm telling you, there's a crying out that needs to happen in the people of God. And, it'll, and we'll start crying out. Now, some will cry out louder than others because some people are just crazier than others. Just now, that's their constitution. Some people's crying out will be a little lower. Oh, God, thank you, Lord. That may be their crying, but if they ain't going to just sit there and think, contemplate and think, that's spiritual. It ain't spiritual. That's spiritual. Crying out is an experience. It's a subjective, emotional experience. That's what it means. It's something that touches your emotion. It's something that affects your life. And the church really needs to get that. Because nobody wants to join a family. Everybody's mad and solemn. <clears throat> and the Lord will ruin your voice. <laughs> so, um, so it impacts our feelings and emotions, obviously. It's personal. It's experiential. Um, one other thing I wanted to just quickly hit you on is the co-laboring. God's called us to be co-laborers. We're to co-labor with Him. That's that whole thing about the manna stopping. Eat, you're going to eat some produce this year, but next year, guess what you're going to do? You're going to go out and you're going to, you're going to work in the gardens. You're going, to, you're going to produce something. God's called you to produce. You hear what I'm saying to you? We're supposed to be producers. We're supposed to be out working in God's field, in God's world. He's called us to do that. Christians are not doing that for some reason. It's because we have this false view of Christianity. We're waiting on God. Or we're on the other side. We're trying to do it all in our flesh. And that, of course, you know how that goes. That goes down the tubes. So anyway, that was a little quickie on Gilgal. The next place that the Lord will say, okay, that's a great experience. I'm glad you got touched. I'm glad I have got a hold of some wrinkles in your heart. I'm glad I've straightened some things out, got some things settled with you. Now let's head on down here to Bethel room. And here's the place a lot of us really want to get into. And I don't blame you. The Bethel is the place. It's the house of God. It's the window of heaven. It's the place of revelation. It's the place of vision. It's the place where God opens heaven to people and begins to reveal heavenly things to people. Who, who wouldn't want to go in that room? You'd be crazy. In fact, you should be fighting to go in that room first. And the Lord has to be slapping you back and saying, No, you're going in Gilgal. This is the order. We're going my order, buddy. Anyways, um, it says in John 1, 51... Most assuredly, this is what Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open. Most assuredly. And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Most assuredly. That's Jesus' own personal words. He promised us, us this Bethel experience. He promised us to see heaven open. It's not just some fairy tale from the Bible. It is every Christian's experience that should be our experience. 
And when we don't have that experience, we've got to start asking the Lord, why? Why don't I have this experience? Why am I not experiencing open heaven, Lord? What is, what is, what is open heaven for me? Well, I wanted to read something that Charles Karen, who's an old preacher, 70-something years old, but really has a great stuff. Let me read it, this thing I heard him, well, I read that he said. <clears throat> he says, Our relationship with God must cease being a knowledge of Him from the human realm. Okay, did you get that? From the, our relationship with God must cease being a knowledge of Him from the human realm and become a knowing of Him from His own realm. Now that's, that's getting down there, baby. Can that be? Yes. But it can only be experienced by entering His domain. We've got to enter into the Lord's domain. We've got to get out of this domain and enter into the Lord's domain by faith, by the Spirit. Okay? As long as we allow fear and religious control to keep us earthbound, it will not happen. Fear and religious control will keep you earthbound. All right, this is the, the cool thing. This is why it caught my eye. Interest into the heavenlies will come only, everybody get this one, when the noise of your or mine or our mental machinery has been silenced and stopped. The noise of your mental machinery has got to be shut down. It's got to be shut down in order for you to enter that because you cannot enter God's world with your mind. You have to enter God's world with His mind by allowing His mind, giving Him permission to, you open the door of your mind. That's how you go there. It's simple, really. It's so simple, everybody stumbles over it. Nobody believes it. You hear what I'm saying to you? We have to stop our minds and stop our thing. That's why Elijah, Elijah kept telling everybody, knock it off. I don't want to hear it. Be quiet. That's what he was doing. He was saying, if I listen to you, Elijah's going to be gone. I'm going to miss my acceleration. Because they were, oh, you know, Elijah's dying, you know, forget him. You're going to go hang with a dead man. I'm not listening to you. You see what I'm saying? Be quiet. You've got to tell your mind, you've got to be quiet, mind, because you don't think right, mind. I found out my mind ain't right. It's really not. My mind's not right. His mind is right. He's got the only mind that's worth having. What we think and all the stuff we do, forget it. It's not going to work. Only his mind works. His mind's available to every believer. It's when we begin to submit our minds to him, submit our thoughts to him, take every thoughts captive, as the Bible words. In coming days, God's emphasis will not so much regard miracles being done through us so much as it will regard the miracle of our having gone into his domain and being transformed into him. Transformed into him. Now, you think speaking in tongues was a controversial subject? Wait till we start preaching. We're being transformed into Christ. We're being transformed into Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We are, we are becoming Christ-like. That's controversial. That ain't talking about just good behavior like we put it to. But good behavior is a good thing. It really is. But there's so much more to, to the spiritual life than good behavior. Good behavior is just an outcome. Are y'all with me on that? That's what happens to you at Beth Hill. You get in there, the Lord begins to open the, the spiritual realm up to you. He begins to start releasing his mind to your mind. Suddenly you start looking at the Bible like the Bible, like, oh my gosh, who got a hold of my Bible and reworded it? You know, <laughs> who put that in there? I didn't know that was in there. Literally. Because when we read the Bible with, with his mind, 
It's a different Bible than when we read it with our mind. I don't care how smart you are. It'll fail you. Your mind will fail you eventually. The mind of Christ won't fail you. He knows what it is. And God really wants us to have that. It is not, I know many of you are sitting here thinking, that's just, you don't even think it's possible for you. But Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, I have an echo. Hereafter you shall see heaven open. He promised us that. He promised us that. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds, what Paul said, Romans 12, assuming our minds were being renewed in his mind. That, that's what God has called us to. He's given us that. I want you to get that. He's given us that. Because if you don't get that, it's going to be really tough for you to get the next one. It's Jericho. You won't get Jericho because that's the next room. When God gets you through with Bethel for a season, he says, all right, now it's time to leave this wonderful place. You've got all this revelation. You've got all this grand stuff happening to you. But there's something you've got to face because with every revelation and vision, you've got to go out and there's an opponent out there waiting on you. There's difficulty out there waiting on you. There's walls so thick they can drive cars on these walls. That's what they say about those Jericho walls. It was so thick you could drive a car around them. And I've called you to walk in victory. And you're going to have to execute victory. So get out there and go down there and deal with that situation. So you go down there and you're messed up like, oh, Lord, what's going to happen here? Well, that's what Jericho is. He wants Christians to have victories. He wants you and I to walk in victory. He wants to give us revelation, give us vision. Oh, there's obstacles to this revelation. How are we going to pull this one off? My gosh, I don't think we can do it. You, know, that's, you should know when you start thinking that way that you're getting something from God. Because that's, if, you think you can, if you can pull it off, it's probably not the Lord, really. But this is what happened in Joshua 6.10. It's interesting. It's really interesting. It says, Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice. Oh, golly. Think about that strategy. In other words, not a word, nor a word shall proceed out of your mouth until the day I said you shout, then you shall all shout. In other words, he was saying this. Listen here. Y'all guys, I know how bad y'all are. Y'all going to get out there and start talking about this situation. Well, how the heck are we going to do this? Joshua's an idiot. Why? We need to get Moses back. Moses never told us to go out here and walk around this wall. Joshua, this can't be God. You've missed the Lord. And that's why he says, not a word out of your mouth. Not a word out of your mouth. Be quiet because you're going to mess your neighbor up. Just don't even talk. Just, just go out there and do what I ask you to do. It's the same thing. The mental machinery. For you to come into the victory, your mental machinery is going to have to come grind to a grinding halt. Now, this is what the Lord was, was showing me. He's been trying to show me this for about a year now. <laughs> it takes me a long time. Because I was hearing this, the guy, uh, Roland Baker, talking about, you know, they have, the, they have the ministry in Mozambique, and they right now feed 5,000 children a day. 5,000 kids. And I was thinking, about, how in the world are you? And I'm thinking, you know what, I think I could pull off a week of 5000 a day. Somehow I think we could wrangle around here, get the money, do, you know, figure it out. We could do it for a week, maybe. That's, what, you know, that's 25,000 meals. You know, just 25,000 bellies, you know, that you're going to fill. But how are you going to do it next week and next year? I mean, how are you going to do it? And they're saying they're adding them constantly. He, this is what he said. We don't, we don't know how we do this. In fact, we don't even think about how we do it. We think about two things. Who being the Lord and what He's asked us to do. Who said, feed the children? That's the what. And the Lord gives you the how. They, they, he said, we don't really know how we do it sometimes. So we, really, literally, we can say, how in the world do we pull this one off? 
because they don't have nothing. They live in the middle of nowhere. And that's how this thing is going. We're going to have to learn how to work in this thing. We're going to have to get rid of this how mentality and start focusing on the who and the what. And when the time comes for the how, when you need the how, you can step into the how. It'll be there for you as long as you're with the who, who and what. But if you're sitting there thinking, yeah, if you're thinking about just the how all the time, you're going to pull back. That's why Joshua said, you want the victory? You've got to be quiet. Now, I'm telling you, I'm really harping on your mind, okay? And I guess the reason I am is because it's in the Bible, for one thing. <laughs> That's a good enough reason. But the other thing is, I have just seen in my mind the vast difference between my thoughts and his thoughts. There is a vast difference. There is not a bridge long enough in the world to bridge those thoughts. <laughs> and it's awesome, really, when we start hearing God's thoughts. And God's thoughts are available for everybody. They're not just available for, for certain people. They're available for anybody in this room who wants them. Anybody. They are your inheritance. They are your right. And I think one of the ways to really start receiving his thoughts is get back to Gilgal, get back to the cross, and go from there. Are y'all okay? Okay, so we got this victory thing going, and we're happy, and we're just stomping the hide out of the enemy, and everything's cool, and, you know, we love the victory room, too. Don't, don't you love victories? You know? I mean, aren't you tired of being beat? Oh, Lord, thank you, Lord, my kids are getting touched. What a victory! What a victory, God! My kids are being touched. My dream has come true, Lord. That's a victory for me. That was my victory. My kids being touched by the Lord. Seeing my kids worship the Lord. Seeing my kids say, I love the Lord. I didn't love it. That's my victory. That was the victory I longed for for years. I couldn't make it happen. But guess what? The Lord did. Whatever your desire is, God can do it for you. Now, He won't do it the way you want Him to do it. <laughs> but guess what? It'll be better once you submit yourself to it. But the Lord says, you can't stay there. You can't stay there because there's other things I have for you. I want to accelerate you, remember? You know, i got other victories down the road, so you can't just wash around here on this one victory. You've got you to keep moving on. See, that's what's wrong with a lot of people. They get touched by the Lord. They've got up halfway up the escalator. They're happy. They're blessed. They've had this experience at Gilgal. They've had some revelation. They've had some victory. And everything stops. And they're like, like just happy for a minute. And then they realize things ain't going to be so happy real long because you get stale. You know what I'm saying? You've got to get the moving again. Well, here's the, the Jordan. So let's see. I'm looking for CSM students. Who's a CSM student? Raise your hand. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to be repeated. I try not to... I try not to trying to, and it's all uh, Melissa's fault, because she gave us this theology about the Nile River being separated. We crossed the Nile. I was in the room to come out crossing the Nile. I noticed everybody was getting their Bible. I'm like, what's, what's, what's wrong with them? Don't they know that was just common? Everybody knows that children of Israel crossed the Nile. But really, I was thinking Red Sea, and somehow I, how I weaseled out of it, I blamed it on Melissa. <laughs> Anyways, that's a CSM, but I've tried not to mix things. Quit picking on people. That's what Melissa said in the class, where I'm always getting picked on. But somebody in the class has to take the blame. Anyways, the, the Jordan River really is the place that Elijah got into this double anointing. He was accelerated. He went from... And there was nobody talking trash to him after that. Nobody was telling him stuff where he was having to quiet them down. He, he was accelerated. And so Jordan River is a place of acceleration for us. We can be accelerated when we come to the Jordan. 
Now, if you remember in the Bible, the Jordan River is a place of many miracles. It's, of course, they crossed it. That was a miracle when Israel crossed into the Promised Land. That was a, a powerful miracle. Of course, we have Elijah slapping it with his, with his mantle. It parted. That was a miracle. Elisha did it on the way back. He just slapped it back, you know. Did another miracle. Um, there was this guy named Naaman. Remember Naaman? Y'all remember Andy's message on Naaman? Get, get low. That's where that happened, in the Jordan, remember? So the Jordan also represents, it's an acceleration point. It's a place to humble yourself, to get low again. Get low again one more time. We'll never get low enough. This is how we. This is this allows the Lord to move. Quick, stop thinking about it and get humble. If you'll just humble yourself, that's all the Lord. You know, He gives you grace. He releases grace. Quit figuring it out. So I was talking to somebody recently, and everything I said to them, they had a reason why they couldn't. Why it was just everything. I was like, dang on. Wow, man, you got nine hundred reasons why God can't touch you. But I got one reason. Plus, He wants to. That's a good enough reason. God wants to do it. That's a good enough reason. I can accept that, Lord. I can humble myself and leave my 900 reasons sitting in the trash can where they belong. Well, also there's a situation there where Elisha, that, uh, there was somebody lost an axe. Remember that? Axe head. It broke and fell in the water, and he threw a piece of stick, a stick in there, and it floated. That's another miracle there. A pretty powerful place. That was where the Lord was, was baptized. Jesus was baptized there. A voice came from heaven. A dove came from heaven. I mean... So it's a miraculous place. It's a place of humility for us to humble ourselves and, and get low and, and receive the power, receive the miracles, receive the acceleration. Now, um, to cross over, this is CSM notes. <laughs> that was pretty good, I thought, though. I don't know how they, what they thought about it. It was good to me. To cross over means to pass out of the old into something new. That's what crossover, which you have not experienced. Old ways of doing and thinking. Uh, old ways of doing, old ways of thinking. That was the old way, was my way, my thinking. The new way is his thinking, his way. My thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your way. That's the new way. It's receiving that. That's what God wants us to do. That's what the crossing over is for the believer. It's to cross over into his thinking, his way. Um, listen, this is interesting. Um, Hebrew, the word Hebrew. Not the people, he, not the Hebrews. The word Hebrew and the word crossover come from the same root word. Same root word. Right, Melissa? It's, uh, it means becoming something you're not. That's what it means, becoming something. Hebrew literally comes from that. You, Abraham, the father of our faith, was a Chaldean. And God spoke to him one morning. He said, Abraham, get up out of that bed and get out of here. Just get out and go somewhere, and, I'll, you, and as you go, you'll figure out where I'll figure it out for you as you go. And he became a Hebrew. He crossed over. He became something he wasn't. Now, he's the father of faith. He had to cross over. He had to become something different. Okay? And that's really what the Lord, that's what Jordan is about. It's about quitting being who you was in the natural realm and becoming spiritual, becoming what he's called us to be. Isaiah 43, let me read this one. Did y'all get that? I thought that was pretty good, man. I love that one. <laughs> you can take that one to the bank. Let me tell you another thing about the children of Israel. This was pretty profound. You can study this in the Bible. 
they were the whiningest, miserablest people in the world wandering around out there in the, in the desert. I don't blame them, complaining. I would rather, like, get me out of here and take me back to Egypt. At least I ain't got people bearing down on me, trying to kill me. I ain't worried about, you know, I'm eating. I'd like to have some pickles, you know, whatever they ate, melons and stuff, instead of this bread that comes down every day. They complained, and the Lord was not happy, so then bunches of them, most of them died off of the original ones. But you know what happened to the children of Israel once they crossed over? They never wanted to go back to Egypt again. It was not even a thought that run across their mind. Egypt was over with. Egypt was stupid. Who wants to go to Egypt? Who wants television when you can have the Holy Spirit? Who wants the world when you can have a... Hey, men, who wants pornography when you can have the Holy Spirit? I mean, let's get real here. I mean, who wants to do bad things when you can have Jesus? I mean, when you can really have Him. And that's really what happened. They found something they didn't have when they was wandering around out there. That's what crossing over does for you. It changes your heart. And suddenly all that junk that you thought was good, you wanted to pursue. Like, man, why do I ever want to do that for? You know? It changes you. You don't have to put, get yourself under some kind of program to do it. Uh, you know, who wants uh, drug abuse when you can have the Holy Spirit? Because he's better than any drug that ever was. I'm serious to you. I'm telling you the truth today. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, steps and all that stuff are not good things with, with that. I'm not discounting that. But I am telling you this. The Holy Spirit can touch a person, and they never want to go back again. They never want to go. He can do it instantly. Instantly, he can do that. I know a guy sitting in this room right now looking straight at me. It was instantly healed from cigarettes. Because he said, somebody said, what do you want, person? I thought he was going to say, I want a wife. <laughs> you know? He said, I, don't want, I want to quit smoking. And the Lord took the desire. The Lord can do that. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what he does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He changes us. We can become a new person. We don't have to stay the old people. So, and that's how you get accelerated. That's, and once, once you hit that room, God accelerates. Now, that doesn't mean you never go back to, to Gilgal and go through that. I mean, there's more victory. There's more, there's more reproach to roll over. There's more things. There's deeper things. There's greater things. But this is what God is doing today. The Bible says today if you hear His voice. Today, not tomorrow. Today if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. God is offering an invitation to every person in this room. Okay, let me just tell you this. All right? We believe that the river, that we talk about the river, not just river life, but the river is a real river, little river. As, and, and what that means is this. Angels are real, according to Brian Kelson in the class. He answered the question. Um, you know, in, in heaven, angels are not symbolic of some something. They're literal angels, real angels. And they were in here this morning. They're here, here right now, real angels that are real beings created by God. Well, there's this real, literal river, the Bible says. And the Bible tells us it comes from the throne of God and the Lamb. That's what it says in Revelation. So we have to get something in our hearts. The Lord was pierced. A sword was stuck in His side. And that water spewed out of His side. That was the beginning of the river coming into the earth. Okay? That river is in the earth. It's real. When we say there's a river here, there really is a real river. We can't see it, but there's a real river. Okay? And I'll tell you this. A person who rejects that river, you're rejecting. You're rejecting what came out of Christ. You're rejecting that. 
Okay? You're rejecting something that comes from the very throne of God. And I won't do this because I don't have Philip here to throw around and sling and jerk. But I had this picture this morning of a person who went to heaven, died and went to heaven, and never experienced this river. And when they got to the gates of heaven, I saw Jesus standing there, and he grabs this person, just grabs them. I mean, the Lord just grabbed them. Hey, I got something for you! And throws them into the river. All your life you missed this. But that river's real! It's real! And you can reject it. And you can say no to it. But that is a real river. It came out of the Savior's side. And to reject that is just not even comprehensible. It doesn't even add up. It's not even logical. It don't even work in the natural realm. God wants you in the river. And because He wants you in the river, He wants to accelerate you because God wants to release the river to the world because that's the hope for the world. Isn't the the Lord Jesus Christ hanging on a cross, the hope for the world, dying, buried, rising again, going to heaven, pouring the Spirit out? Isn't that the only hope the world really has? It really is. And that's what this is all about. It's about us getting the river and getting God and getting the way God meant us to be and it going out the doors into the world because God's not through with the United States of America. And God wants to use us and every church who will, He wants to use us to save the world, to save our nation. And our nation has a calling on it, to, I believe, to take the gospel to the world. And God's not through taking the gospel to the world. You hear what I'm saying? He's not finished taking the gospel to the world. Part of our country's calling is to send missionaries, to send finances to, to feed babies that are starving to death. Part of, that's part of our calling. It's, it doesn't make us better in another country. It's just what He's called us to do. And if we don't allow the river of God to come, our calling as a nation could be thwarted. God is saying, I'm not through with your country. I'm not through with America. She hasn't finished her purpose yet. You know? And he's calling us as a church to make sure our nation's purpose is fulfilled. I mean, one of many, one of thousands, millions of churches in America that I think should be a part of this. That's what God's calling us to. And he wants to accelerate you and I to a point where we can begin to really do it. That's what the acceleration is all about. He accelerates us. Boom. What did they do? They went out and they began to subdue Canaan. They began to take Canaan. There was warfare. It's a picture of what God's called us to do, to go out there. And here's the cool thing. One more thing, and I'm going to stop. One more thing. When they were in the wilderness, they were totally in a defense. They were getting fire beat at them. They were having to fight people. Okay? They were defending themselves, trying to get somewhere. You know? But when they, that, that was their warfare. It was a defensive warfare. Totally. I mean, they were just like, man, can we pass through your territory? No. You're not going to trespass. And they had to go fight them over it. They had to kill some people because they were coming out to kill them. Had to fight off curses. Well, when they got in the promised land, guess what they started doing? We're getting you. You see how the warfare changed? Suddenly they went on the offense and said, we're taking this babe, baby. We're getting your Heidi. We're coming in here. We're taking over. And that's what the church needs to do. We've got to get out of that wilderness warfare and get into the promised land warfare where we're on the offense, where the enemy sees us coming, and they're saying, oh, man, we're in trouble. And that's really the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. It's our, we have the victory. 
And that's what God wants to do now. This is the vision that God wants to release to get this in your heart. This is where He wants to take us. Okay? So this morning I want to ask anybody in this room, do you want to get in the river? Anybody who just feels, I, I really want to get touched by the Lord. I need this. I need to be accelerated, Lord. I don't want to stay where I'm at. If you want that, then we'll pray for you. And ask the Lord just to release that to you. Simple as that. Amen? Amen. So Andy's going to bring us down. I mean, I mean, not bring us down, but bring us to closure. <laughs> I forgot about you, Andy. I'm sorry. Well, I found out this morning that I'm a co-laborer with Christ. And uh, the Lord did His part this morning, so I'm going to do my part this morning. And I'm just going to release, and by faith right now, I'm prophesying in this place that God's releasing a holy hunger and a holy thirst on His people today because God's looking for a satisfied people. He wants to satisfy His people. He's not wait, wanting you to wait for next week to get satisfied. He wants you to get satisfied today. Today, the Bible says, Blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And God's wanting to fill some people up tonight. Listen, or today, listen to what Paul said to the Ephesians. The Ephesians were a Holy Ghost-filled church. And this is what he said to them. He said, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. So you might be a Christian this morning. You might even be a spirit-filled Christian. But I'm telling you, Paul didn't take for granted that this Christian church was automatically walking in the life of God. He was saying to them, be careful. You might be alienated from the life of God that He's trying to get to you. Okay? And God's inviting His people today to come into that real river. It's not an idea. It's not a philosophy. It's not a lifestyle. It's real and it's pouring out and that's the life that we need. God has this thing for His people called satisfaction. He has satisfaction for His people. Now there's a difference between holy hunger and worldly hunger. If we're walking around not filled up, we... We're, we're, we're starving. We're emaciated. That's not the hunger God wants for His people. That's from the enemy. That's from the world. That's what we get when we're walking around in the futility of our minds. That's not what we want. God has a holy hunger that He's going to give you, a holy thirst, because the hunger He gives, He gives the bread and the wine too to fulfill the hunger and thirst. Brian, go ahead and start playing, and then we're going to just invite people up. But i got one more thing. Check this out. Jesus is sitting at Jacob's well with the Samaritan woman. The disciples go into town for bread. They come back, and he says to them, I've already eaten. I've already taken my fill. They said, where did he get this food from? Well, what is this? He said, I have bread that you don't know about. I have bread that you don't know about. And God's saying that to us today. The Spirit of the Lord is saying, in your mind, you might be thinking, I've already eaten the bread of life. You might be thinking in your mind, I've already gotten into the river. I've already had my fill. And Jesus is saying, I have bread for you that you don't even know about. And if you're in the futility of your mind, you can't eat it. And God's saying, I will give you my mind 
He's saying to you, I'm going to give you my mind. And then you can have all the life-giving bread that you want. So that's what we're going to do right now. There's some fire people in here, some firecracker heads that can, uh, can administer the river of God. Why don't you guys come up here? And then, and then anybody who has the slightest inkling of a thirst, a slightest bit, you might not even... You, you think you, you don't feel all the feelings you need to feel to get into the river, but God's saying, come, come, come up quickly. He's saying, I did my part, now it's time for you to do your part. I did my thing, now you come and do your thing. Come on, come with me. Let's go together. Let's cross over that Jordan together. Let's go into the promised land together as co-laborers with the Lord. Oh, Jesus.